Happy spring, everyone. Or if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, happy autumn to you. You found the Teens in Quarantine podcast, and I'm your host, Christine, bringing you stories from teenagers around the world during this COVID-19 pandemic. Today, I stay local. Like, really local. I mean, I literally just crossed the street to interview my new neighbor. How well do you know your neighbors? Yes, we are in full swing of autumn here in Melbourne. How is everyone adjusting to the shorter days here? The leaves have changed color. The weather is a bit more nippy. Kids are getting back to school after a couple months of being in isolation. In the U.S. and other northern hemisphere countries, the pandemic and stay-at-home restrictions prematurely ended the school year. I know a lot of high schoolers missed out on their end-of-year parties, graduations, and dances, but here in Australia, school was just getting underway for the 2020 school year when everything was shaken up and students were all sent home fairly abruptly to slow the spread of the coronavirus. For students in year 12 in Australia, which is called senior year in the U.S., this is a critical year in the journey to entering a university. Yes, Australian teens also missed out on dances, sport competitions, and performances, but here in Australia, year 12 is critical because most of your chances of getting into the university and course of study rides on your academic performance in this final year. It's a very different system than what I went through growing up in the U.S. So while high schoolers in both countries were affected by the coronavirus, they weren't affected in exactly the same ways. Today's interview is with my new neighbor and friend who literally lives across the street from us. I can see her house from my kitchen window and how we met is quite a story. After arriving in Australia last September, our son joined a local basketball team. We didn't know anyone or where anyone was from, where everyone, anyone was from. It was on this team that I met some of the players' moms. And so I met a mom named Judy. We would sit and watch our sons play on Saturday mornings, and we'd chit-chat about the other challenges going on in our life, raising a household of teens and kids. I always enjoyed seeing Judy and her husband at the games, and she was one of my first truly Australian friends. A few months later, we were in the market to buy a house, and we purchased our first house in Australia in December of 2019. That in itself is another story. We didn't know it at the time, but I later found out, only after we had decided on the house, that it was across the street from Judy and her family's house. A coincidence? Perhaps. But I also believe that it's part of a bigger plan for our family to be in this neighborhood. Anyhow, Judy and I were taking an early morning walk one day, and I shared with her my idea for the podcast. She was encouraging from the beginning and has been one of my biggest fans in Australia since. Her daughter also courageously agreed to be interviewed by me when she had never even met me, and we did a mini photo shoot in their yard after. It was my first in-person photo shoot for 2020, and as restrictions are being lifted slowly in our state of Victoria, I look forward to more in-person shoots as we develop a new norm. So sit back 
and enjoy this conversa- conversation I had with Beatrice in the comforts of her own home as she describes how the pandemic is affecting her and many other Australian teens in their final year of high school. Hi, my name's Beatrice and I'm 17 years old and I'm in isolation with my parents, my brothers, my two brothers and my sister in Melbourne, Australia. Hi Beatrice. Hi. It's good to finally meet you. Yeah, you too. Well, this interview is actually really unique because I am seeing you face to face. Yeah. (laughs) And it's only possible because this week, um, well, tell everyone what happened in Victoria this week. So this week they've eased restrictions finally after I think about um, two months at least, maybe Mm. a bit more. Um, so they've announced that we're going back to school soon. And I think we're allowed five people in your home now. Yeah, so we can actually see yeah. other people face-to-face again. I know. So it's exciting for me because all my interviews have been uh, virtual, obviously. So you are a year 12 student here in Melbourne. You've lived here all your life? Um, well, I was born in the Netherlands because my dad's Dutch. So my sister and I were born there. And then when I was about three, we moved back to Australia because my mum's Australian. And yeah, we've been in Melbourne ever since. Well, tell me a little bit more about your family. Uh, yeah, so I'm the eldest of four. My uh, We're all pretty close in age. So my youngest brother's now almost 13 and I'm 17, so we're all within that sort of um, four year. We've we've gone back to the Netherlands um, a few times. My sister and I have been there by ourselves. That was a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, for our parents, it's always been really important to know where we come from and to appreciate our background and to appreciate also like the European culture. Yeah. Do you speak any Dutch? Yeah, so uh, we also went to Dutch school for about. 10 years or four of us so that was just a little class with um this woman who's an artist great way to get to know other sort of dutch people in melbourne so is there a big dutch community here um no it's pretty (laughs) small but like i think for any because we're such a multicultural city for any sort of country you can find some other people yeah somehow that's true that's what i'm finding here as well well, you are in your last year of school, and it's called Year 12 here. Yeah. And it's kind of a big deal, this last year of school, right? Yeah, so our final mark or ranking that we get at the end of Year 12 is based only on our Year 12 results. So the assessment tasks that we do at school, as well as um, the exams. So we have one exam for every subject at the end of the year. So that puts a lot of pressure on those particular things um, to be able to do them well so that you can get the best ranking that you can because that number is will sort of determine what university course you can get into at the end and then at the end of this year they'd all um, be sort of mashed into one number out of 99.95. Okay, so the top score is 99.95. Yeah. So I'm still learning this system and getting used to it too. So my understanding is you, you choose your VCE um, mm. subjects, those are the five subjects, and your 12th year is the big year that you're really studying for yeah. those subjects, and then at the end of the year you take these exams, and is it like 
one for each subject? Yeah, and um, a couple of them have two. So maths method has two exams, so one with a calculator, one without. Languages, you'd have the written exam and an oral exam. Ah, so those okay. are sort of the only spots where you'd have two exams. Uh-huh. Other than that, it's just one big exam based on all of the content from that year. Okay. Yeah. So explain to the folks in the Northern Hemisphere what the school calendar year looks like here. So we'd start school um, at the start of February. Uh, We have four terms. Um, But for year 12s, you'd usually finish classes. So actually going to school um, like two weeks into term four. Mm -hmm. And then you'd have about... I think it's a month of what we call like swap back. So that's at home studying for the exams that are in November. Okay. Okay. So you go to school normally when you're not in a pandemic, you will go to school. (laughs) (laughs) You go to school until about early October and then you have a month off where you should be studying at home. Yeah. And then you go back in November for the exams exams and all this. Okay. When do you get your score back? The final score comes out on a particular day at 7am in December. And, yeah, you just get an email and a link to the ATAR website. And so yeah. the ATAR is your aggregate score, being highest being 99.95. Yeah. I see. And then based on that score, you will know what universities that you can Yeah, so different courses at different universities have sort of their minimum ATAR that they would accept in Around September, we have to do our preferences based on then your ATAR. When it comes out, you get offers for the courses, whether you've reached the required ATAR. If you wanted to study medicine at a certain university, you need an ATAR score of some number, 90-something. And then if you wanted to do business or commerce, it would be a different number. Um, yeah, I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's quite different than what I grew up with in the U.S. But I could see how that could make it a little more of a objective decision. Yeah. When you've got kids taking the same exams and getting ranked, what are your plans after graduation? I've always wanted to be a vet, and that's still something that I'm thinking of. Except that's a course that's got one of the highest ATAR requirements. So mm. even though I'd really love to do that, I'm aware that like, I don't know what's going to, like what mark I'm going to get. So, But I really love animals and particularly horses. So that's why that's a course that I'm really fascinated with. And I love chemistry at school as well. Mm. But other than that, I also have been thinking about um, pursuing languages because I've love French. I'm doing French at school and I really want to also learn Dutch fluently. So that's Mm -hmm. two languages I want to know. So, and traveling um, to those two countries more is is something also that I value. And that's something I'm also scared about the future of international travel. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's going to change. I was going to ask if you living abroad, it might be something you want to do in the future. Yeah, it is something that I'm genuinely considering and have been. Are you also a Dutch citizen? Yeah. Okay, so so you're Dutch and Australian. Mm. Yeah, well, I think by the time that you're ready to do it, there should be more international travel because the world can't shut down forever. But yeah, that's, um, that's for another time. Well, then, 
the COVID-19, you know, arrived in Australia early February is when I think it arrived. Tell me about when you first heard about it and when you realized, oh, this is kind of going to affect my year 12. Yeah, so when I first heard about it, it was just in China. So I sort of didn't think anything of it. Didn't think it was going to turn into a massive pandemic affecting yeah. everyone. Um, and then it was towards the end of term one, like in the last three weeks, that's when I realised, because it was in Australia and there was lots of talk about what was going to be happening with schools because elsewhere in Europe, people having to do school at home, like that happened to my cousins in Belgium and Holland because there was a lot of uncertainty at that time. So I was like, what's actually going to happen? Mm-hmm. No one knew. It was particularly, I was doing, I was about to do a debate that night after school and they cancelled it and that, like, that was the first moment where it sort of impacted my life. It wasn't something that was just happening Mm. to other people. Mm -hmm. And even though I was happy (laughs) because I didn't want a debate, (laughs) it was still, like, a realisation. Yeah, there were things that I wasn't going to be able to do, especially, like, in my last year of school. What are some of the things that you've had to let go of I was really lucky that our we have school formal so that's I guess for Americans listening like prom and so we have that in year 11 and year 12 and we were really lucky because ours was scheduled in February so we had that in terms of things that I actually missed uh we usually have a school swimming carnival that was cancelled also, we have Year 12 Trivia Night. Um, mm-hmm. That's known as just a night where everyone turns up in their pyjamas and eats lots of food mm-hmm. while playing trivia mm-hmm. at school. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's that's quite a bit because yeah. the last year is the year that you celebrate being together for the last time. And, and so yeah. that is... Well, how has having to do school at home now affected your studies for the VCE exams? So they announced not long ago that exams would now be held in December. So uh, we just have to be at school for longer and we have an extra month of classes in term four. So instead of finishing like in October, early Mm. October, we're finishing like early November, which is Mm. usually when the exams would be commencing. Also for each subject, elements of the study design is what we call it. So like the, the coursework that's been reduced for every subject so Mm. Mm. so while we have longer time to like learn everything that we need to learn we also have reduced course content slightly has having to do term two of your year 12 at home added or reduced your stress level for preparing for the exam at the end of the year at first I was a bit worried about what it would look like, how it would be affected. Because, of course, um, being in 12, the sac- the SACs, which is what we call the assessment tasks that we have to do at school, um, like, they really matter. So doing them at home, people, people could cheat or anything. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't know. For other subjects, it's virtually impossible to have, you know, 100 or 200 even for English students um, at the same time sitting at home writing an essay. Like, how do teachers can't really moderate that? That means that we've had to put them off. 
which means even though we've moved on to the next sort of area of study, we still have something mm-hmm. like hanging in the background, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. So that's sort of stressful because usually you, I guess you'd perform your best after you've spent the whole term on something and then it's right then and there, but waiting longer and not mm. doing anything about it. So I guess I'm sort of worried that I won't perform as well as I could have. Right. But in the end, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Well, how has your school supported the students? Um, I've been really, really happy with how my school has handled it. Um, we get emails daily that are sent to the whole school that are really informative about everything. And they were really open. They've been really transparent with everything that, like all their plans and everything that we have been wanting to know and that's been really good and my teachers have also all been really positive and um, telling us their plans and their ideas and working with what we think works best in terms of like the online schooling thing and there's also been a lot of trust in us which I appreciate because that they trust that we're doing what's asked of us and working our best from our place. Now we just heard last week that students will start going back to school on the 26th around there, May. Yeah. How do you think school will change once you get back? How do you think it's going to feel differently than the last day that you left? Well personally I feel like It would be impossible for them to try and change the timetable to make it staggered, as some people have suggested. I actually asked my teacher the other day, are we going to have to have our tables all separated, like by a metre, like in Mm -hmm. test conditions? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And she couldn't really give me an answer for that. So I do wonder whether that's going to be the case, because it just seems really strange to... Mm -hmm. Because I'm, I know I'm not going to be staying a meter and a half for my friends. Yeah. Even if I was like trying to, I'd just forget. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just naturally get get together. Yeah, and like our lockers are so close together, and it. Well, how do you think it will feel for everyone to be back again together again? I mean, I'm going to be excited about it because I like having like that classroom environment it's much less lonely than sitting at home and watching a zoom Mm. the feeling I get from a lot of my friends is that they're also excited but also I know there are some people who are like in my small circle some of them are a bit more um, hesitant and nervous about like they think maybe it's too early to Mm. go back to school I wonder I feel like there are going to be people who are still sort of not comfortable Mm. with it as much as maybe myself. But I know a lot of the teachers, I'm sure a lot of them are going to be happy with it because it means we can do our assessment tasks at school Mm -hmm. um, Mm. and they can also get a sense of how we're all going because there's that lack of sort of so that, that feedback yeah yeah return feedback from students I know a lot of them through Zoom. have mentioned that they mm-hmm. we're not I'm not getting many questions from you right 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 yeah this is interesting because even before the pandemic more and more of the world was kind of moving to online um, working from home taking 
university courses, just everything was moving online. And then all of a sudden this arrives, this COVID and the pandemic and the world shuts down and everything has to go online now, you know, as much as possible can go online. So I feel like our society's kind of been saturated with being online now all the time and doing so much of life through the internet. I'm just curious if you have any ideas how that's going to impact your generation moving into adulthood. Now that you've had this small period of your life where you got to do, where everything was through the computer. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people realize that even though like we've all grown up with this technological sort of world with phones and iPads and all that stuff from since we were young I think a lot of my generation's probably realizing that they really value that human contact even though like back when it was all normal maybe you wouldn't like we wouldn't feel like going out to see a friend and we could just text them or FaceTime them. But now it's sort of forcing us to not take that for granted. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I do, like, that's quite optimistic. I do hope that in the future we're all less dependent on technology because I, I sometimes find myself falling into those traps where I'm, like, on my phone for long and then I'm like, no, that's not healthy. I can't be doing that. And I try to, like, resist. Yeah. You know, technology is such a part of our life that we feel like we can't live without it. Mm. Whereas now we're forced to realise that, you know, there are other things we can't live without. And that's, Mm. you know, seeing our friends often and face to face and maintaining those connections and relationships. And Mm. even though it's possible to stay in contact with people on technology, it's also really important to still see them. Mm -hmm. And that's maintaining something that's a bit something more that. FaceTime can't achieve. That makes sense. Interested to see how your generation is going to respond to having just been hyper-saturated with technology for two months. Um, There was no other way to do life and do school and and socialize. And I'm sure it'll be a split, but some people will be like, okay, enough is enough. There's a max to what we should be consuming and maybe some other people are like oh this is great I don't have to interact with anybody and I don't want to so yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll see I think that'll be interesting to keep an eye on for yeah, the future yeah definitely well um you were telling me before the interview that you've been working this whole time yeah so I work at a local bakery so of course we've um, been able to stay open through this whole um quarantine yeah. Um, and although the shifts have been, were significantly reduced, they've started to come back a bit more now, um, especially in light of Mother's Day. That's the biggest day of the year for a bakery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I only had one shift a week um, on a Sunday and a lot of my co-workers had their usual usual weekly shift number like reduced mm-hmm. by a lot. I found that it was really good having that um, once a week sort of uh, time to get out of the house and talk with other people and see my um, friends at work that was really nice and I really appreciate having that especially knowing that you know lots of my friends have lost their jobs at um, ret- in retail. Did you see a change yeah. at all in your customers how they reacted to you or respond you know interacted with you um, across the counter? Yeah definitely especially because we had to have a max of three 
people, three customers in the shop at any given time. And usually we'd have, well, during lunchtime, which is our peak, we'd have a lot more than that. So you'd have people being really, really cautious and then maybe others like sort of forgetting about the social distancing. The people who were really cautious were getting a little bit offended by people sort of not playing by the rules, so to speak. And I definitely noticed that. And uh, we have a lot of older, uh, regular customers. And I noticed a lot of them who had stopped coming in and I realised for them coming to our bakeries a weekly if not sort of daily habit or tradition mm. that they really enjoy they love get like there are some that get the same thing every every day <laughs> or every couple of days so it was definitely sad to see them not coming in but also good that they were aware of their vulnerability i think what what kind of changes did your bakery have to make to keep you know, the employees safe and just the work environment compliant? Uh, Well, we really stepped up on hygiene practices. For a period of time, we had to hand sanitize sanitize our hands like way more frequently, like almost after every customer. That sort of eased off now that the restrictions in Victoria have eased off and there are very small numbers of cases in Victoria. So even though we're still wiping down Um, the benches quite a few times just a lot more than usual I really appreciate you sharing with me how year 12 is going from the um, Australian teen perspective and yeah really nice talking to you as well and also I just um appreciate you sharing how it's been to to work through this pandemic too and observing uh, society so it's definitely a really unique time in your life and you'll never forget it yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Beatrice. Yeah, thank you too. It's yeah. all good. It's a Sunday morning, and I'm sitting on a bench in a park in my neighborhood, just doing what I do almost every morning, which is to go for a walk. And thinking back on this episode that you just heard and realizing that I'm really grateful that... I had a chance to walk with my neighbor that day. I'm really grateful that I asked her and that she accepted because it led to being introduced to her daughter, which led to producing this episode. And I'm realizing that, especially during this pandemic, going out for walks not only reconnect us with the outside world and the birds, as you can hear, but it has the potential to connect us with other people in a very natural and non-threatening way because it's not as uh, intimidating to invite someone to go for a walk as it is to maybe invite them over to your house or invite yourself into their house, say, by just knocking on their door. Last week, I was walking back from my walk and I saw another woman pass by my house as I was re-entering my yard, finishing my walk. So part of me was in a hurry, wanting to get back into the house and start my day with the kids. But another part of me just said, hey, just introduce yourself. So I turned around before walking into the house and I just, you know, apologized for interrupting her walk and just asked her if she lived around here. And it turns out that she did. That she does. She's my neighbor three houses down. And she also just moved here from another country just a month before I had arrived. And we had a nice chat 
for about 10, 15 minutes. And I was thinking as I left her and said goodbye, and we exchanged numbers and such, I should invite her out for a walk and get to know her a little better. So my challenge this week is that you follow up with me, that you send me an email or a message and see if I have taken that walk with this new neighbor. Her name is Zoe. I think this pandemic has given us new opportunities to connect with people, new and creative ways to connect with people too. How many of us really know our neighbors? How many of you out there listening know your neighbors well enough that you could knock on their door and ask them for an egg or, you know, borrow some sugar if you ran out or needed help for an hour with your kids? The challenge is to keep me accountable and see if I've taken that walk with Zoe or at least invited her to. And then the second part would be that you do the same. Find a neighbor that you haven't seen in a few months because of the restrictions. And if your community uh, guidelines allow, invite them out. Say, hey, let's go take a walk around the block and let's just check in. Check in with each other and see how we're doing. Hey, you know, during this pandemic, I've been really focused on the stories of people around the world, really curious about how others are doing in other parts of the world. But have we checked in with the people around us, just our neighbors? Have we invested in the people and the stories of the everyday people that we run into in our lives? I hope that we can maintain a balance of both. Those are very Australian birds. I I don't know the names of those. They're like warbling birds. All right, thanks for listening to my ramblings. And I will see you guys in the next episode. That's it for today's interview from The Land Down Under. I welcome you to check out some of Beatrice's photos, both on my Instagram, at Christine Tan Photography, or webpage, www.christinetanphotography.com. Next episode, I will be bringing to you my final interview of Hope, Courage, and Creativity from the Children of Hope series, and we are headed back to Africa to a country in the southwest part of the continent. You don't want to miss this one. So subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss it. And hey, in a time of easing restrictions, I still want to remind everyone to keep looking out for each other. Create something new. And most basic of them all is wash your hands. Goodbye, everyone.